in chairs in front of you, unless you've brought your own. And uh, the reading this morning is from Romans chapter 13 and can be found on page 1140. 1140 in the Church Bibles. Romans 13, beginning to read at verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Thank you, Chris. Do keep that open in front of you and uh, uh, let's pray together now. So we pray you'd help us to... uh, uh, get our, our minds clearly around this and uh, it must affect us all. So we pray you'd help us to uh, put these words into practice today and every day for Jesus' sake. Amen. I wonder if you'd uh, cast your minds back just over a year and uh, the wedding of um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, as it was then. And uh, But um, don't look just at, uh, at um, uh, Prince Charles and Meghan Markle there, but look at the other people. So there's Prince William, you can see there. And is there Prince Andrew somewhere? And various other people you can see in the stalls there. Is that, oh, you can see... Um, uh, Catherine, can't you, Duchess of Cambridge, and see where they're standing. And you can see uh, Beatrice and Eugenie, I think, or have a look at this one here. And you can see there, there's Prince Charles and Camilla and so on, various people. Okay, my point is this. At the, uh, uh, at the wedding there, you can see all the people there, and, um, uh, and everyone had their place as they waited for uh, Meghan to come up the aisle. Uh, there was a place for everyone, and everyone was in their place. In fact, if they hadn't been there, 
uh, kind of ready and waiting, then it would have been slightly chaotic, wouldn't it? So if the choir, for instance, had said, well, yeah, I know we've got our places there in, in, the, in the choir at St. George's Chapel in Windsor, but yeah, maybe not today. Perhaps you know, better something, something else to do. Or if the Dean of Windsor, uh, um, the Bishop David, the Dean of Windsor, had decided that he had a better deal on that day, or the, the, or the American bishop who preached that everyone raved about after it, and uh, if he thought, well, maybe that's a bit too far to come across the Atlantic, so uh, maybe if he hadn't been in his place, the whole thing would have been chaos, wouldn't it? But actually it worked really well. Place for everyone, reserved, sorted out, organized, and everyone in their place. Well, today, as we look at the role of government and how we should respond to those in authority over us, it really is a matter of a place for everyone and everyone in their place. That's what we're thinking about this morning. Uh, in fact, it's a bit like a, a game of chess before it begins. So uh, if you're a pawn or a king or a queen or a knight or a rook or a bishop or whatever, um, but when it starts, there's a place for everyone and everyone in their place. And most people say that um, Romans 13, these seven verses we're looking at this morning, um, give us clear instructions on our relationships with the governing authorities. Uh, And it is carrying on this theme of relationships, which has been in the book of Romans uh, from chapter 12 onwards. We've seen, we've understood, we've uh, had explained to us uh, the Christian gospel of how Jesus has died for rebellious people. And then we see from chapter 12 onwards whole ranges of different relationships and how the gospel affects our relationship. Uh, And here... We have our relationship with our government and with those who represent our government. So people like magistrates, the police, traffic wardens, civil servants, HMRC, our local planners here in Brighton, the noise abatement officers from the council, those who would stop you from dropping litter or hope to and fine you maybe when you do. And, uh, 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 or those who would uh, fine you if you get on the train at Worthing, but when you arrive at Brighton, you say you've just come from Hove, for instance. Those sorts of things. And uh, as it says at the beginning here, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. That is everyone. It includes you. You are not exempt, whoever you are. So if you're younger, sometimes it seems that younger people seem to think that they can be uh, exempt from these kind of things. No, it says let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. And it says, for there is no authority except that which God has established. So it's a spiritual matter. Actually, us paying our taxes, us not dropping litter, us keeping to speed limits, us obeying police officers and so on. Actually, it's a spiritual matter. It's a sign of our spiritual health. So a place for everyone and everyone in their place is what we're thinking about today. And the first point is this. You see it on the order of service. uh, And it says, put God in his place. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, we've got to start at the right place. And the right place with this is not actually us, The right place to start is God. 
So look at verse 1 again there. We should be subject to governing authorities. Why? Because their authority, the authority which they have, is derived from God. It's like a trickle-down or a waterfall or a cascade, if you like. Um, God is the author of authority. He is the one with all authority in the universe, but he then delegates that to those who are in authority over us. So the end of verse 1, the authorities that exist have been established by God. That is, the authority they have is established by God. And in verse 2, God has instituted authority in the hands of individuals or groups of people. So, for instance, therefore, when people rebel against that, they rebel against God and judgment follows. So those young men who have been held by the police on suspicion of murdering PC Andrew Harper are actually rebelling against God and not just the rule of this land and judgment follows. So Christians, we are not anarchists. We believe in rulers, whether a prime minister or a president or a monarch, and we believe in those who exercise authority under them. Now look at those two carefully, would you? Because this is important. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God, what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, some people say, well, therefore, what that's saying is God therefore placed Hitler in power. And not just him, but Stalin, Saddam, you name it. But actually, I'm, I don't think verse 2 is saying that. In fact, I don't think it is saying that God um, appointed Hitler. For instance, it is saying that the, hip, the, uh, the authority that Hitler wielded is actually a delegated authority. It was established by God and it, it delegated to God, by God, to the leader of Germany. The person who grasped that authority, though, was evil. That is a difference. There's a significant difference between saying that the authority which Hitler had is delegated from God and saying that actually God appointed Hitler. I don't believe that God actually appointed Hitler. He was appointed, and the power and the authority, uh, that's what God did, but he did not appoint the person. And they're two separate things, and it's best not to get them confused. But rulers must remember the authority they have, and that the authority they have is ultimately God's. So they must not use it for evil as, for instance, Hitler did. And that's actually what happened in South Africa, wasn't it? I believe apartheid was evil. The way you treat people like that is an evil thing. In the apartheid years, there was a Christian leader in South Africa called Michael Cassidy. And uh, he got an appointment to see the, see the South African president of those days, P.W. Bota, in Pretoria. And he hoped to get some kind of move forward on the dismantling of apartheid. So on the 8th of October 1985, he walked into the presidential office to a somewhat frosty reception. And as a Christian leader, he then had Romans 13 read to him. And then, uh, it was exact our passage from this morning, and it was then used to justify whatever actions the South African apartheid government wanted to do to segregate the country, including, therefore, apartheid. The authority in South Africa had been established by God, the authority that was being used. And, uh, 
and they believed they could do whatever they wanted, therefore, to lead the country. That's not true. All rulers, governors, prime ministers, presidents need to know that the authority they have is actually delegated from God and therefore they must use that authority for good and not for evil. They must use that authority for righteous, for righteousness sake and not for uh, their own purposes. And they need to remember that they're God's servant. You do God's will, not yours. Any authority you have as a leader is delegated from God. So you need to remember and honour God in the way that you rule. There's a hierarchy here, and God is at the top of it, delegating authority to others who are leaders of states and those involved and having a, a part of that authority. So he is, God has established government. He has instituted government. Uh, he has appointed governments and give them, given them authority. Uh, he has caused authority to exist. And he is therefore has authority over the authorities. That's our starting point. Uh, so we need to put God in his rightful place. He is the one God, the Lord and Master. And, uh, uh, and we'll never have a right relationship with our earthly authorities or their representatives, like the taxman, for instance, unless we realize that they are also under authority themselves. And they're exercising authority, an authority which has been instituted by God and delegated by God to them. Now, the state and state officials are therefore servants of God. They may not realize that. But that's what they are. They may not even recognize that God exists. But nevertheless, the state, its officials, the government officials, whether it's a tax man or the Crown Prosecution Service or the police or magistrates or the local environmental health officer or the planning authorities, they're servants of God. They're ministers of God. In fact, they are just as much a minister of God as I am. Because uh, if you look at verse uh, 4, twice in verse 4, the one in authority is God's servant. And then later on in that verse, they are God's servant. And verse 5, this is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. And that is the same word that's used of someone like me being one of God's servants. So the first thing, but God in his rightful place at the top. He is the Lord, he is the master, the king of the universe, and nothing can or will change that. And he appoints authority. Now normally, we have a, some kind of an electoral system in a democracy, don't we, to decide who has that authority. And then they will appoint others who also have authority. But starting point, put God in his place. Second thing here is this. Put the government in its place. Uh, a guy called David Seckham, who uh, uh, I know a little bit, has written this. Government is part of God's way of taking care of people. I think that's right. Government is part of God's way of taking care of people. And we see that in verses 3 and 4. Um, that's... Uh, People with rightful authority over you, police, judges, teachers, superior officers in the armed forces, say, um, uh, 
government and its officers in their place. And this is, uh, do, this is talking about do what policemen tell you, that kind of thing. Okay? Or in my case, do what the bishop tells you. Uh, this is the role of the state as it relates to good and evil. Now, the state's responsibility is twofold. Okay? First, promote and reward the good. Second, restrain and punish evil. And both of those are for the benefit of our society. So uh, uh, the government, therefore, applies as God-instituted authority uh, to the realm over which they rule. That's the overall picture. When it gets uh, to the nitty-gritty, it may not quite seem like it. You know, setting up a speed camera, for instance. Uh, some say, uh, uh, you know, um, we shouldn't be there to restrain evil. It's more a restraint on your freedom to break the speed limit. So speed cameras are terrible things. No, they're good things. When you see a speed camera, you should be thankful for a speed camera because it's set up by the government or their representatives to restrain speed and to stop people from breaking the law and therefore to restrain evil. So therefore, speed cameras are good things, okay? And so is the, uh, when you drive down Old Shoreham Road and you just go past the cemetery and, and you go heading west, this is, and you kind of go round to the left and there's a, uh, and there's a police speed uh, trap person sitting in the middle of the road pointing the camera in your way and, and you make sure you're doing 30. Well, as you go past, thank God that they're doing it. It's a good thing. It may be frustrating. It shouldn't be. We should be grateful. So, you know, um, after that slight little rant, um, there, there are two things here. Put the government in its place, is what we're thinking. And first, they're there to promote and reward the good. Look at the end of verse 3. Uh, the end, uh, so go, go from uh, do, uh, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. Now, we don't hear so much about this, do we? Um, but for instance, the New Year's honours list uh, fits in here, I think. And so does the uh, Nobel Prize fits in here. In a, in a very, 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 very tiny way, our awards at our AGM for instance, fit in here. Because it's recognising people who have served uh, the Lord well through their lifetime or over the last year, as well as one or two other awards as well. Um, the diocese uh, are doing this as well. They've just instituted something called the Order of St. Richard, in which they will be um, recognising notable people, of lay people, who have made a real contribution in the life of the Church of England in this neck of the woods. I, I think probably there ought to be some more rewarding of good behaviour and special people. And maybe we ought to be encouraging our MPs, writes Peter Carl, to work on further ways of encouraging and rewarding the good in our society. Perhaps we should also say that leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth, doesn't it, when it's abused. When uh, you hear of... Uh, um, a large donation in a political party resulting in some kind of mention in the, in the New Year's honour if, uh, uh, if you believe that's what's happened. The government should promote and reward good. And in as far as they do, that's a good thing. And we should rejoice when we see people being recognised. And lots of people are. It's good news. The second thing is this. Rest, um, restrain and punish evil. Uh, that's the end of verse 3 and in verse 4 as well. 
Now, the state is responsible to make laws and to take steps to ensure that the law is kept. Therefore, the police, the legal system and the penal system and so on. And uh, the prime application of this is within a country, within a state's jurisdiction. You might say, well, maybe countries couldn't have the role for the United Nations and apply this kind of thing internationally as well. There may be a role for that as well. But uh, when Paul wrote this, he had an individual nation state in mind. He had a local magistrate in mind. He had the local tax collector in mind. That's what he was thinking of. And he's saying, put the government in its place. Respect those positions. Obey the government and its laws. The government of their authorities and their officers have authority to punish wrongdoers. So, again, in verse 4 there, um, if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on wrongdoers. Now in those days, that would include the power over life and death. Uh, The sword that we've seen there in verse 4, it's the same word that's used in Acts 12. Remember a few weeks back we were were preaching on that? And uh, it was, uh, it talked about James, as in Peter, James and John, James, one of the inner three of Jesus' disciples uh, being put to death with the sword. Same word that's used here. Uh, In Romans 8.35, just back uh, earlier on in Romans, uh, it talks about the sword as well. So in Romans 8.35 it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or... Sword. Now, it may just be um, uh, that apparently magistrates in Rome in Paul's time would either wear a sword or have one carried into court in front of them to symbolize their power over life and death. Some would also argue that this is an argument for capital punishment and uh, uh, that you know, so Donald Trump, for instance, has been saying with these mass shootings in the States that uh, if the perpetrators are caught alive, they should be executed. And, uh, uh, and some Christians would quote Romans 13 saying uh, that they're in agreement with the president, for instance. Something for us to talk about afterwards because there are arguments both sides of that. So put the government in its place. The government has responsibility to promote and to reward good, to restrain and to punish evil. It means um, we need to respect those who carry out those responsibilities. It means, for instance, we don't want to pray for the police. We will pray for the police later on in this service, for our legal system, our political leaders, taxmen and so on. But, I mean, I hope we don't just rely on kind of doing it in church. I hope also we'll want to do that as we pray privately or with our spouse, for instance, and that we will pray for those who have those positions of authority. So put God in his place, put the government in its place, and then third, put me in my place. Verses 5 to 7. Verse 5, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Submit uh, to those in authority over you, because they should punish you if you don't, and your conscience will prick you as well. And then, we've got an example in verses 6 to 7 about taxes. God's servants are tax collectors, being released 
by the nation to focus on tax collecting. And some of our taxes pay for them to enable them to be able to do it. It's the same with politicians. It's the same with magistrates, although they're, they're voluntary. Uh, it's the same with the police and judges and traffic wardens and so on. It's a bit like a vicar. Uh, we've been released from a norm, normal job to give ourselves full time to teaching the Bible and leading uh, communities of God's people. So a traffic warden has been released from normal responsibilities to uh, give himself full time to enforcing parking sub-laws, uh, bylaws and so on. And they have a certain degree of authority delegated by God to do so. Have you ever prayed for traffic wardens? I mean, other than praying you'd be patient with them when they're uh, booking you for doing, being somewhere where you shouldn't and so on. But actually it would be a good thing to pray for them. It must be a miserable job. Perhaps we ought to be praying for traffic wardens. And as Christians, we'll pay our taxes. It's not a, it's not a Christian duty to be a mug and to, to pay more than we have to. Um, so be wise in our use of allowances. Claim all the things we can. Um, it's okay to avoid taxes that we don't have to pay. Um, but it's not okay to evade tax. That's illegal. And if you're doing it, it needs to stop now. And you need to pay back what you've nicked from the state. Don't do it. And this applies in all sorts of areas. So yellow lines. Down the road there, opposite the co-op, there's a post office, okay? The post office, just in that kind of pull-out from Amherst Crescent, has got yellow lines. What do double yellow lines mean? Don't park there, okay? Now, I've been tempted to park there and rush in to buy paper because it's only 30 seconds. Don't. I won't. I don't park there. And by the way, if you park in the co-op and go over the road to go to the post office, you need to go and buy something in the co-op as well. Don't you? All right? But don't park on yellow lines, no matter how long it is, okay? Go down Amherst Crescent or something. And don't slow down for speed cameras, because you shouldn't need to. I mean, it might seem a bit daft driving on old Shore Road at midnight at 30, but that's what we do, isn't it? That's what we should do. And you, when you're in areas like this, you know, there is a 20 speed limit round here, isn't it? It's difficult to keep to it, but I reckon they're dropping. Actually, I saw someone the other day going down two cars, going down here at 60, I would reckon. I must say, when someone is obviously driving too quickly, I like to walk across the road slowly in front of them and make them slow down. But, uh, but it's, this is obviously, there's far more than just going too fast and so on, isn't it? If you're in the army, obey orders. Is all, are all your music downloads legal? Have you paid for your TV license? And so on. It's part of submitting to the state. It's a spiritual thing. Because God has given the state authority over us and therefore put me in my place as submitting to the role of the state over me. The principle in verse 7 is give everyone what you owe. Owe taxes, pay them. You owe respect, pay them respect. You owe obedience, obey them and so on. And there's been a lot of ink spilt in Romans 13. What if the state is corrupt? What if the state is a, a, a totalitarian regime that is just, a, say, a dictatorship or something like that? Well, I'm deliberately not going to spend much time on that because uh, generally our government is not corrupt, so it won't apply directly to us in 2019. But there are plenty of other places in the world where it does apply right now. So we need to know how we would pray for Christians in those places and how we should support them. 
And uh, uh, we need to remember a place for everyone and everyone in their place. There's a hierarchy. God, state, me. Put me in my place. And we submit to the state until the state commands what God forbids. Or until the state forbids what God commands. So we submit to the state until the state commands what God forbids, or until the state forbids what God commands. So Acts 5.29, for instance, Peter and the other apostle replied, we must obey God rather than men. And if the two contradict each other, our obedience and subservience is to our God, who put the state, uh, the authorities of the, the authority that the state has over us. But if the state is not acting in accordance with God's authority, we still remain under God's authority and we must always obey him. That may lead us into trouble. It led the early Christians into trouble. It put Daniel into trouble in the Old Testament. So we need to work and pray for corrupt regimes to change and love people who are officers of of a corrupt state as well. We live in the light of the future and no corrupt government lasts forever. But if you're a Christian, you will. So there's a big area and I've deliberately uh, uh, only just touched on that and there's a whole little section here. There's an awful lot to say but we need to stop now. But let's remember, a place for everyone and everyone in their place. And uh, let's see, there's this this cascade. Put God in his place, put the government in its place, and put me in my place with a cascade down from one to t'other. So let's pray and ask that we would live out our lives every day in the light of that cascade that we've seen this morning. For we simply pray this morning. Sometimes this really isn't easy. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to put you in your place. And help us to put the government in its place. And we pray, Lord, you'd put us in our place. For Jesus' sake. Amen.